Welcome to New Hope and the teaching ministry of Pastor Randy Rainwater. This isn't just about healing. It's about being declared clean. You can be healed of disease and not be clean. The power to heal. Pastor Randy is teaching from Luke chapter 5. He'll also bring to the stage Therese Reinhardt and Robin Deal to talk about the ministries they lead at Grace New Hope. Here's Pastor Randy. Well, good morning, New Hope. It is so good to be with you. You can bump elbows, wave, text if you're a teenager. Is that what teenagers do in, in the service? They text each other. Hey, I saw you in church. All right. Open your Bibles up, if you would, to the gospel according to the physician, Luke chapter five. And I just wanna tell you a couple things. We have these Grace New Hope mugs back there, and they're, they're $1, it's a beautiful mug. You've got to hand wash this. If you put it in the dishwasher, it will come out saying bad words. Now, do not try it, do not try it, but I promise you it will, all right? And if you try it to get to see what bad words it says, shame on you, all right? But you can hand wash these, these are a dollar. And we also have these stickers like this right here. And look, if you put this on your car and I see you and I can get your, and I can get your tag, then uh, I will, I'll run that tag and I'll bring you donuts to your house, okay? It, you cannot park in front of the church house, all right, in the morning and blow your horn. That does not work. But if you put a sticker on there, a dollar back there. Uh, open your Bibles, Luke chapter five. Real genuine concern bringing healing into people's lives. You know when someone's patronizing you and genuine concern. Years ago, when Daniel was a junior and Elizabeth was a freshman, we had been on a trip and and for Christmas, we had given Elizabeth a recorder. I have no idea. I didn't do it. I think it was one of her uncles in an effort to torment me. Uh, that's, that's what uncles do, right? Like I gave my nieces and nephews like Nerf guns and pop guns and fireworks and things like that. So, so Elizabeth has this little recorder and, and you know, the rainwater travel mix is 80s rock, Motown and Rich Mullins. Uh, it's kind of a mix of all of those kinds of music that we're listening to with a few Shane and Shane hymns. Did I, did I get anybody's like favorites in there anywhere? So, so it's just kind of a mix of all that music. And Elizabeth was going along playing the recorder perfectly with it. So, you know, she's playing Journey and Rich Mullins and, and she's playing on the recorder, which you know that her brother just loved every second of that, right? So Daniel's like, stop, please stop. Well, we get home from our trip and I, I see the recorder laying there on the kitchen table and Elizabeth comes down and Daniel says, hey, listen, Elizabeth, just play it anytime you want. And she thought he was being facetious, so she picks it up and starts playing the recorder, just following him around playing and he goes upstairs. Well, about two hours later, Elizabeth comes downstairs and her lips are swollen like three times the size. And Daniel walks over and goes, oh, Elizabeth, I am so sorry for what you're going through right now. And Elizabeth's like, I have Miss Brookwood coming up tomorrow, and the, the tryouts for Miss Brookwood is tomorrow. And Daniel's like, I'm so sorry. Well, I'm listening to this, and I understand. And if you've had, 
If you've had like a junior boy and a freshman daughter, you know exactly what's going on here, okay? I'm not buying this at all because I know that somehow, I have no idea. I know that Daniel is responsible for these lips somehow. And, and Daniel looks at me and he has this look on his face and it's somewhere between, I know I'm gonna get in trouble for admitting to this, but what I did was brilliant. And I said, Daniel, what did you do? He put a little dab of peanut butter on the end of the recorder and had our dog, Emery, lick on it. Elizabeth is highly allergic to the saliva of our Labrador retriever. Daniel, son, you have a dark gift. Yeah, it was both devious and brilliant. I knew the concern was not real. We're gonna see a story here of Jesus and the concern that Jesus brings and it's real concern Would you stand with me? Luke chapter five, beginning at verse 12. We're gonna read up through 16. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full, remember that word full, of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he charged him to tell no one but go and show himself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. And may God bless the reading of his word. If you would just watch this. Not to spoil this beautiful day or anything, huh? <laughs> Come on. It's a leper. Stay back. Cover your mouth. Don't breathe his air. Don't come any closer. It's okay, John. Rabbi, 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 you cannot this disease. Please. Please. Please don't turn away from me. I won't. Lord. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Only if you want to, I submit to you. My sister, she was a servant at the wedding. She told me what you could do. I know you can heal me if you are willing.
you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. What can I, what can I ever do? No. Do not say anything to anyone. You don't seek your own honor. Please just do me this one thing. But what do I tell people? Go. Show yourself to the priest. Let them inspect you and see that you are cleansed. Make the proper offering in the temple as Moses commanded. And go on your way. Where's an extra tunic? Just one of you, just one of you. That's enough. Green is definitely your color. Oh. <laughs> Not too shabby. <laughs> hey, it's Dallas and Chris. We showed that with permission uh, from The Chosen, by the way. If you, any guys watching The Chosen? It's a pretty amazing piece of art. Um, this, this man was full of leprosy. I was home a few months ago back in Kentucky and I ran into an old friend. I hadn't seen him for probably 30 years. And it was obvious in looking at him that he had a very debilitating disease. And, and I went up and I said, hey, it's Randy. I don't know if you remember me. And the first thing he said was, he said, I have this, and he said his disease. It had become his identity. He wanted me to know, I, I wasn't always like this. There was a time I could do these things, and, but now this has taken everything about me, and it seems like everything about me is this disease. This man's full leprosy, bacterial infection, it would start Maybe you sprain your ankle and it doesn't hurt. You jam your finger and it doesn't hurt. You break a bone and it doesn't hurt. And then the lesions come and you try to cover them up, but then somebody sees and they go to the priest and the priest comes and knocks on the door. I, I need to see your son's arm. I need to see your husband's arm. I need to see your wife's arm. And they look and they say you're unclean. And you're gonna have to go and you're gonna have to live here in the leper colony. And if you're the dad, the family becomes destitute. And if it's the child, mom probably goes with the child and cares for the child there. But everything in life is different. This man's life is the fullness of leprosy. And he breaks the rules. He's in a desperate place. He, he breaks the rules because you're supposed to stay away. And if you see someone coming, you yell, unclean or leper. But he's in this place of desperation and he goes to Jesus. He runs to where Jesus is. And Jesus breaks the rules too. Capital offense for this man. Jesus comes to him and he touches him. He says, if you're willing, and Jesus says, I will 
And what Jesus says to him is not be healed. He says be clean. It's a different thing. This is restorative what Jesus is doing here. The other day, on a much smaller note, I was in Walmart buying Pop-Tarts for my lug group because they like Pop-Tarts. And I just had to cough just one time. And I was wearing a mask even in Walmart because it was at the height of the Omicron spike. And And I'm walking through Walmart with my mask on and I needed to cough. And I'm there in the cereal pop tart aisle and I coughed one time and everyone turned and looked at me and left the cereal pop tart aisle. It was like my own little aisle there. But this is a lot bigger. And what Jesus does here, he stretches out his hand saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and, and the healing started. Maybe even fingers grew back. This miraculous touch of God in bringing this healing. But he says, go show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing. This isn't just about healing. It's about being declared clean. You can be healed of disease and not be clean. You can be healed of disease and still live in the fear. If you've, if you've ever faced that kind of disease in your life, you, you know this process. If you've, ever, if you've ever injured a limb badly, there's, you have to go through the therapy to get restoration to be able to run again. I've had two surgically repaired knees and to trust again, to jump for the first time again, to, to run for the first time again, even to walk for the first time. If you've ever had an injury, you know how scary it is in the wintertime when it's slick. And this man is declared clean. But now even more, the story goes around and crowds gathered around him to be healed of their infirmities. This was about relief, but it was also about restoration. We, we have two people that are actively involved in bringing relief and restoration. Therese and Robin are gonna come up here and share the story of what they do. They lead two great ministries. Would you guys just welcome them up here today? So why don't you guys tell them what you do. Tell them about your ministries. Good morning. I'm Robin Dill, and I have been walking alongside families whose loved ones have dementia for about 20 years. And recently, I um, lead a caregiver support group that meets every other week at my house. And caregivers come and uh, we talk about, we pray about, uh, I listen, I help give some education and support and perspective about dementia. Um, I'm going to do my Celebrate Recovery introduction here. Um, Good morning. I'm Therese. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I am celebrating victory over anxiety, depression, codependence, and enabling. Um, I am still working on control and, like I figured out first service, um, public speaking. (laughs) (laughs) You did great first service. You're going to do fine. And everybody here likes you, right? Okay. Is there anybody that doesn't like her? 
Because you have to go. All right, all right. <laughs> so you're good. Um, at first service, it was all God, by the way. It wasn't what I had practiced last night at all. Um, so Celebrate Recovery is a plan to restoration. It's um, a 12-step program, but it's not just for alcohol and drugs, which are what most people assume. Um, it's all of our hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Um, every, which is basically all of us. Yes. It yeah, is every level. single yeah. one of us has something. Um, none of us are perfect. If we were, then I'd love to meet you because you're going to take me to Jesus. <laughs> um, so um, we meet every Tuesday night. We start at 6. Um, we have a lovely um, system of women and families in this uh, church that provide us meals, always got to start with food, right? Um, so we have food and fellowship for the first hour from six to seven. At seven, we start with, um, we have worship and um, large group, and our large group is either a lesson or a testimony. And then at eight, we divide into small groups, um, usually by gender. Um, and one of the things that I always say is we have these step studies that go through the 12 steps in depth. Um, and while, you're, while the step study digs deeper into those hurts, habits, and hang-ups, the small group is where the healing begins. Mm -hmm. So the question that I want to just, in, especially with what we're talking about today, because we have, there's two healing stories that we're going to look at. And this first one, he heals and then restores. Uh, he heals and makes clean. And, and then the next one, he forgives, he restores, and then he heals. Tell me about restoration. And for, for CR, it, it seems kind of obvious about what restoration would look like. Not that it's an easy path because there's always speed bumps and challenges and outside people. And, and maybe you're watching online and, and you want to be a part of this. How does restoration work? And then for yours though, where there's, there's an end out there that doesn't necessarily look that hopeful. How do you bring restoration and hope into the midst of both of these things? So about a year or more ago, one of my caregivers um, sent me a text after support group, and she said, Robin, thank you for letting us come and empty our caregiving buckets and leave a little lighter. In support group, that's what happens you're able to speak things that maybe you couldn't speak to friends and other people because they wouldn't get it. Only a caregiver under, really understands or has the perspective of what you're going through. And to be able to say, I was angry, I was frustrated, this, that, and, and to release it. There's healing in that release. And there's healing in being able to be encouraged to think about you're not alone. And, and that was a message that God gave me years ago when I directed a respite ministry for folks with dementia. It was to say to these people whose minds were changing, their brains were dying, God is with you and you are not alone. And that was such a powerful thing. And to say that to caregivers and to remind them and, and to pray for them, that's where I think the restoration comes. Mm. Um, in Celebrate Recovery, we have um, obviously the 12 steps. And the first 
chunk of them is all about rebuilding that relationship with God and with mm-hmm. Jesus and lightening our loads, knowing that it's not our burden that we have to carry by ourselves all the time. Jesus is there. <laughs> he helps us through every step of everything. Um, and our hurts, habits, and hangups can kind of get in the way of that relationship. So we start by rebuilding that relationship um, with God. Um, everything we do is biblical. And um, I read this the other night. I got my summit journal in the mail. Um, and it's from Psalms 139. And this um, passage is also a part of our 12 steps, um, especially when we get close to our inventory. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there are any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It's opening ourselves to each other. Um, I forgot to mention a minute ago, um, everything is uh, anonymous and confidential. Um, I can't, I can say that I was there and I can tell you guys what I've said there, but I can't share who anyone else is that's there with me or what they say. So it's a safe environment, especially if you're not comfortable You know, maybe your family or friends don't know what's going on in your life and you need to pour that out. Kind of like Robin was saying, empty that bucket that's a burden to you. That's what we do in our small groups. Thank you guys so much. How do people connect if they want to connect to either of these ministries? Well, I have an opportunity for you coming up this next weekend. It just so happens. It we just have a, yeah, so happens. Yeah. Thank you. So next weekend here at 10 o'clock on Saturday in the student room, I'm going to be doing a normal aging versus dementia workshop. And then we'll get into a little bit more detail about dementia. And you, there's a lot of younger folks here, and you're thinking, that's not going to affect me but your parents or your grandparents. So it's really educational. Uh, It's, you know, education is power. And then on Sunday, we are having a Caring for the Caregiver workshop. We're going to do a light lunch, and then I'm just going to give you some good information about how to take care of yourself as a caregiver. Um, There's slides on the website that have my email please email me. I do a lot of phone conversations with walk-in caregivers through their situations. So, And then um, we have a brochure in the back. I think it's um, where the newcomer stuff is. Um, but feel free to email at CR and the letters AT. It's not the at sign. So it's CR at newhope.com. Um, There's also this this really complicated thing, come and eat dinner. Yes, come at 6 o'clock on Tuesday. (laughs) Everybody is welcome. Um, Like I said, we have dinner provided, so we'd love to have any of you who want to come eat dinner. And if, like, you get here and you're like, no, I don't want to stay, no one's going to stop you from leaving. So just come check it out. Come eat dinner a couple times. It's good food. It's delicious. Yeah, occasionally I show up on Tuesdays just for dinner, so... No, I actually, I get to sing at CR. So there's a lot of, the worship is, the, it's just a great night. So thank you guys so much for what you do. Can we just thank them again? One of those things that goes on behind the scenes. So it says in verse 16, after Jesus has done this healing, it says, you know, everyone's wanting attention from him in verse 15. 
but it says, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Now look at this, verse 17, something to underline here. On one of those days, so it seems that Jesus had a pattern of prayer, but there were these specific times that Jesus would get away and he would pray for extended periods of time, desolate places. He would get away from where everyone was and he would spend time with the Father. Now watch this. It says, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. Now watch this. I don't even know what to do with this theologically. I'm just gonna read it and tell you what I think. I might be wrong. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. On one of those days, what had Jesus been doing before the power of the Lord was with him to heal? He had gotten away and he had prayed. If Jesus needs to get away and be with the Father to be in a place to bring healing into people's lives, I think the easy translation for us is that we would as well. It's not about us. As a matter of fact, listen, I could talk about healing for one minute or one day, and I probably wouldn't change anybody's mind, but I will just tell you a couple of observations that I've seen about healing. When, when, heal, when the Bible talks about spiritual gifts, when it gets into, they're all singular. When it gets to healing, it's plural, gifts of healing. Gifts of healing is all different kinds of healing. But the other part of that is, this is something that all of us are to be a part of. This, I don't think that there are individual people that God gives that gift to. I think it's a gift that he gives to the church. And here's what it seems like the power is. The power is this, when we get time away from God and we start paying attention, he puts us in places to use us. I was away at my uncle's funeral this week and he, 98 years old, buried two adult kids, two adult grandkids, buried a wife. Got to talk to his pastor of 27 years. He said, your uncle Robin was a great man of faith. Love the Lord. I had specifically prayed on my way to the airport. Lord, you know, I didn't turn anything on. I just prayed on my way to the airport. I love driving and mowing the yard. Let me clarify, on a riding mower. All right. And just because my phone, I, you know, my phone's not bothering me, I can just concentrate in and, and just pray. And I was praying, I was saying, Lord, use me on this trip. Put me in, in places where I can interact with people. And, and my, I got to my brother's house and, and they go to bed early and about eight o'clock they start watching Gunsmoke. So I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna go to bed. And nothing against James Arness uh, as Matt Dillon, but I'm like, I'm gonna go to bed. And, and I was, so I would, I would go to bed and I was journaling and I was saying, I was just very specifically praying. And I, because I'm going to bed at like nine o'clock, I was waking up at like four and I would get up early and I was praying specifically. Can I just tell you how many interactions I had with people that I got to share the gospel? I got on the airplane and I sit down and there's a young lady next to me and I, I said, and 
I said, um, is Atlanta home or is Kentucky home? She goes, well, actually, Mississippi. She said, I'm in ministry. And, and I don't know how to explain this, but she says the word ministry exactly like Demetrius Hicks says the word ministry. And, and, I, and I took a picture and text Demetrius this. And she's a, she's a major in the Salvation Army. She said, I'm actually on my way to Asbury University. It's in Wilmore, Kentucky. She said, I'm a pastor with the Salvation Army. And we just started talking about ministry and, and just talking away. And, and, I, and I, we, we talked for about 20 minutes. And then I turned to the young man sitting next to me and I said, hey, I'm sorry. We didn't mean to leave you out of the conversation. I said, tell me about you. I said, where, where do you live? And he said, well, I'm on my way to University of Kentucky. You probably wouldn't know anything about this. I'm an equine student at the <laughs> University of Kentucky. He said, are y'all both pastors? He said, yeah. He goes, those are crazy stories you guys are telling over there. I said, they're true. That's what makes them crazy. We were just talking about play, ministry and, and miracles and things that God had done. This is how I think it works. Look, nothing against the guy out there on the street doing street evangelism, nothing against that. But if you wanna see real effectiveness, engage in people's lives and pray. And watch God open doors and it's not weird and it's not awkward. And I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying that there aren't times that you don't go knock on doors and talk to people about God. But, but most of the time, if you're praying, He'll put you in those places. I also wanna say this about healing. In both of these instances, and every place that I know of in scripture, and if I'm wrong, feel free to come up and correct me after the service, and I'll never acknowledge it publicly. All right, so I'm, it was just a joke right there. All right, I will acknowledge it if I'm wrong. I don't see a place in scripture where Jesus grandstands in his healing. I don't see a place in scripture where he takes his cloak off and throws it at people. I don't see a place where he waves his hand and heals the whole room. He does it close and personal. He engages in people's lives. And the instance where the woman comes up and touches his robe, what does he do? He stops and he turns and he looks at her as a person. I believe in healing. I've seen, this is what Javon uh, and I were talking about on the airplane. I've seen too many things not to believe. I've seen God do too many miracles. I've experienced it myself. I've seen that these things happen, but this is how he heals. He comes in and he gets close. And when you come in and when you get close and when you pray, he puts you in a place to bring that healing. He would withdraw and he would pray on one of these days. Much prayer, church, much power. That word power there, he had the power to heal. That word is deutimus. There's two words for power in the Greek. Exousia, that's where we get the word executive. That means I have the, the, the authority to do it. But this is the dynamite, deutimus. It's, it's, we get the word dynamite. If, a police, if you're a policeman, exousia is the badge and deutimus is the gun. He has the deutimus, the ability, the power to bring healing into people's lives. And then he steps in to another story on one of these days as he was teaching, verse 17. Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea from Jerusalem. The power to, of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. 
and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and they led him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. Which would be pretty crazy, wouldn't it? If that happened here today. If all of a sudden some tiles kind of fell, Daniel and I were in the Georgia Dome when the, hurricane, when the tornado hit and the tiles started following. It would, it would, it would feel a little bit like that. And they, and they lowered him down. First of all, it would take an incredible amount of trust on the behalf of this paralyzed man to trust those guys to do that. If you've ever again had an injury where you can't move easily, this man was paralyzed and it was out of that injury, out of that, that, this thing that's going on in his life. Extra biblical stuff says this, that this man had gotten into this position because of specific sins in his life. You're gonna see some things that lean in that direction in just a second. It says that they tore off the roof. Sometimes you gotta tear off the roof for your friends. You gotta, you gotta move some things away that are keeping them from being around Jesus. Sometimes that's going to be taking them to a conference. That's gonna be bringing them to church. Sometimes that's gonna be hanging out with them on a Friday night so they don't go and make a bad decision. That's tearing off the roof. See, the roofs would have had tile and, and, and boards, and then you put dirt on it, and sometimes you would grow plants up there. It would make the roof even stronger by growing the plants. They've torn this off. They've lowered him down. He's there in the midst. And it's interesting because what Jesus says to them, he saw their faith, not his faith, their faith. He looks and he sees the faith of, of these friends. You'll hear people say, if you don't have faith, trust in mine. You, you can't grow because of my faith, but my faith can take you to a place where you can get your own faith. We can walk with people in the midst of things that are hard, the unimaginable, and, and give them hope in the midst of that. It has to be their own faith. But Jesus sees their faith, and he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. Very specific. Not just your sins are forgiven you. To this man, this paralyzed man, and the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies, who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus perceived their thoughts, and he said, why do you question in your hearts, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk? You know, for Jesus to say your sins are forgiven you was a much harder thing than to say, rise and walk. For Jesus to say your sins are forgiven you would take him to the cross. What Jesus knew was in order for this man's sins to be forgiven, this was gonna take everything he had. He who knew no sin would have to take on that man's sins. Whatever it was he had done would have to come on to Jesus. Rise and walk. And I love this. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, now watch this, and go home. Extra biblical stuff says this man had not been home in a long time. He had chosen a course in his life that had taken him away from home. Jesus doesn't see him as a lame sinner. He sees him as a sinner lame. He saw through that outer need 
into the real need. It takes time. And he didn't just heal him, he restored him. Worship team, you guys come on up. And immediately he rose up, picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all. This was, this was stranger things. They were seeing stranger things. Ah, oh, we have seen extraordinary things this day. How do we come to a place where we see that kind of healing? It takes time. You get close. You spend time with people. You get to know people. But I also know this. When you do that, God puts you in a place in their life that makes a difference that's deeper than any cause whether that cause was something they did, someone else did, some bacteria did, some virus did, some gene did in your body, some accident did, it's bigger than all of those things. At my uncle's funeral, one of my cousins named Benny sang a song that was written by another one of my uncles. And this is what he said. He said, this, this song that I'm gonna sing you, it's called... Come home, sinner friend. He said, if you knew our uncle that wrote this song, you know that his life was incredibly twisted and was far from God. He said, two weeks before he died, he called my cousin at three in the morning and said, listen, I know I've not walked with God. I walked with God early in life. I went and sang, I wrote music, I sang in churches, sang at revivals, but I've not walked with God for a long time. But I want you to know something, I'm back and I'm back home. I'm back with Jesus. And if anything happens to me, I want you to know this, I am where I'm supposed to be. I didn't know that story. I take great comfort in that, but it also is an incredible encouragement to me that I had a cousin who was close enough to my uncle that he would call him at three in the morning telling that. If we wanna see miracles, real miracles, if we wanna see healings of families, of restoration, of, of brokenness, of things that, that are not right, physically, emotionally, spiritually. You can't do that from 10,000 feet away. You can't do that from watching a podcast. You have to be close. You have to be engaged in people's lives. It's not grandstanding. The Bible says that if any of you are sick, you should come and be healed. I'm gonna come back up in just a minute and we're gonna do an invitation for that. Before we do, we're gonna sing a song about what that we have a God who is this way maker. We're gonna take communion and then I'm gonna come back up and I'm gonna invite you to come to the corners and we're gonna pray for healings. We're gonna pray for healings of families. Can I get an amen on that? Listen, the family's under attack culturally, spiritually. Emotions, anxieties, fears, sicknesses. We, we have a, a world in, that's ready to be torn apart right now. 
And I don't know what's gonna happen geopolitically, but I know this, that, that there are believers in every one of those countries that we hear right now in the midst of these conflicts. And the church is gonna have to rise up in all these places and be a voice of hope and of trust and of peace in the midst of a world that seems bent on destruction. And I don't know how to do it, but he does and he is with me. And that's why we take communion today. He says, this is my body, my life lived in front of you. This is my blood, this new covenant that is a promise. So we do this often in remembrance of him. Lord Jesus, bring healing, bring restoration, bring peace, restore families. We pray all of this in the name of the one that we trust in today, and we worship you. You are the way maker. Lord, there are some in this room right now that are wrestling with things, and they say, I've brought this to you before. Lord, well, I don't know that you're capable. And this is what you say. Be clean. I'm willing. Be clean. This is what you say. I forgive you. Go home. In Jesus' name. Amen. And may the God of hope, relief, and restoration be with you this week. Thanks for listening. I'm Myrna Brown.